It is Sportsnet Today. I'm Josh Elliott-Wolf here with Lena Setagian. We're during the day now. You, we're, we've moved away from our Sportsnet Tonight slot. We are now 12-2 to 2 for today on. Very yeah. exciting. Very exciting. Also, another very exciting thing is Eddie is one for one on music intro right now. Yeah, I was expecting a, an 0 for 4, I'm not going to lie. But gotta, one for one. Gotta start with a bang. Yeah. Yes. Hey, but I can still go one for four today and have a two fifty day. It wouldn't be too bad. I'm okay with it. That's a oh. uh, you're over the Mendoza line. That's Based all on I the need. analytics, that could be good. <laughs> yeah. He gets on base. Exactly. Josh, do you know what song this is? I didn't know what song it was, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it nonetheless. R.I.P. Aaliyah. Yes. My uh, question is, how old was Josh when this song came out? When did it come out? Do we I, know? I don't know specifically, but I would guess I feel like Eddie, you 90s. would have known. Yeah. Late 90s, I was either not born or about to be bo- or just yeah. born. So some, somewhere in that range depends on exactly what year it is. The Google machine. 2000. 2000. I was two. Yeah. We're all good. I'll go back and listen. I was seven. I was 19. Okay. Show's <laughs> off, show is off the rails early. Uh you just dragged me into the mix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big weekend uh, around the world of sports. Also, a semi-big weekend, at least for me, just on an athletic level. Lena, how was your weekend? It's funny. I walked in, and you said, I'm sore. And I said, me too. And then I realized you actually played a sport all weekend. Softball. Whereas all I did was Real walk a little too long, and now I'm sore. <laughs> Well, that just shows our age difference. Oh, here we um, go. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I, yeah, I did play softball all weekend. I have, I go way too hard when I play softball because I have like this big bandage on my forearm now because I went to try to, <laughs> I scaled a fence and scraped my arm. I also have bruises on my head because I jumped into a fence on another place. So some people would call you softball guy. Yeah, I'm a softball guy. Uh, Emphasis on soft. Yes. And our team came in third. So it was, it was not worth it. And also, was that scrape worth it? Did you catch the no, ball? No, I didn't catch okay. the ball on the scrape. The bruised head, that was worth it. Uh, <laughs> so that was my weekend. Much bigger storylines around the world of sports, though. Right. As late Friday night, the old Friday news dump, Matthew Kachuk finally getting traded. After only a week. I'm very happy this didn't drag on for multiple weeks. Mm-hmm. It was only a week. Kachuk getting traded to Florida for... Jonathan Huberto, mm-hmm. Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, and a 2025 first-round pick. Lottery protected, but a 2025 first-round pick. Who knows where Florida is at that time? My initial thoughts, and I want to get your initial thoughts. My initial thoughts when I saw the Friedman tweet, I was like, what is Florida doing? This is way, this is way too many pieces. Mm-hmm. Matthew Kachuk is really good. But Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger are also really good. And then you threw in a first-round pick on top of that. What were what were your thoughts? So, also, do you have uh, Frege's uh, notifications on? Because I do. I do not. Okay, I do. So, the Friday night, I was like, woo, what has he got to say? <laughs> What's going on? I saw going to Florida. And then, of course, for some reason, I know better than to do this. But I went into the comments of people freaking out, being like, what? Like, what is this? Like, this is garbage, BS. And then what the return was, people obviously had all sorts of opinions on it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not so sure if this is good or bad, just <laughs> yeah. like you. Did my homework, read into it, and uh, yeah, I've got some thoughts. We've got thoughts. Uh, if you've got thoughts on the trade, text in the 650-650. 
Dunbar Lumber text line is open. The smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Lanner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. So, yeah, that was my initial thoughts of the trade. Mm-hmm. And then I looked into it, as I'm sure you did. and Maybe. R- r- yeah, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, as the Huberto only has one year left on his deal. Yeah. Mackenzie Weger only has one year left on his deal. Mm-hmm. And so my big thing coming out of this is it just really feels like unless Calgary is able to convince them that they want to stay there long term, and we'll listen to next segment, we're going to rerun of some, rerun some of Huberto and Uyghur's media availability from this morning. Which they- is also a little bit and on the entertainment side as well because of Huberto's comments of how he was kind of unhappy with this whole trade going down. So this is why I think it's important we play yes. what his initial thoughts are on the trade. but. Mm-hmm. Go on. Uh, but he did mention the possibility of re-signing in Calgary and if he would be interested. Mm-hmm. And if he is, great. This is a good trade for Calgary. He's not exceptionally young. He's JT Miller's age, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But I can see the reasoning for re-signing him just based on Calgary's competitive window yeah. and the trades they have, or, or the signings and trades they have already made. There, He fits their age window pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but if this doesn't work out and he doesn't resign, they either have to flip him at the deadline, which hopefully they can do, yeah. or if they're in a playoff picture like they were last year, they would be in the exact same spot they were this past year, just moved one year forward. So essentially you'd just be delaying your rebuild if you aren't able to extend him or trade him by the deadline. There's so many layers to this, and not only that, but it pretty much replicates what went down with Johnny Goudreau because the season before the past, Calgary, the Calgary Flames were not good. They didn't make the playoffs in the Canadian division, and I didn't expect them to have as good of a season as they did this last season. I know there was talks about trading Johnny Goudreau at the deadline, and because they did so well, they kept him, and then they kind of shot themselves in the foot for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, will they be in the same? They're essentially going to be in the same position with Huberto, as you just mentioned, yeah. um, and Weger because they're both slated to be UFAs in 2023. And we were talking about this last week. Like, what is Cal- the Calgary Flames' direction? Are they wanting to retool, rebuild, or kind of maintain and try to be competitive? And try again. to be competitive. It's clear now they're kind of in a win now direction mm-hmm. with the trades that they made um, because of the situation they're in with Weger and. Huberto, so do they flip them for assets at the deadline? It's tough because right now, players like Huberto, we saw with Pacioretty, they're not going for anything. Mm-hmm. Like, who? he's a really good player. He finished fifth in heart voting. He's 29, only has one year left on his deal. If Calgary retained salary, it'd be a very, very similar situation to what the Canucks have with JT Miller. But Huberto is a bit of a better player or at least puts up more points, and I could see other teams viewing him as a better player. But a very similar situation for sure. Yeah. Um, Huberto finished second in league scoring with 115 points. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a pretty... Uh, that's exactly even with Johnny Aki's numbers. Yes. Uh, so they're still missing... They're missing a Kachuk. A Kachuk. Which is a big hole to fill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. um, I think Florida obviously maybe gets the edge in the trade because of Kachuk's age. Mm-hmm. And... They got him locked in in the middle of his prime. 
Yes. He's going to be 32. He's signed until he's 32. Which is great. Mm-hmm. So um, we got a text from Marcus and Gibson, 650-650. Uh, they say it's a win-win trade. Calgary can still keep it together one more year at least. And Florida has a long-term piece on a deal that will age nicely. And I think that's kind of where I'm coming out on it too. Mm-hmm. I do think I would give a slight edge to Calgary just for as much as I think it it's a tough situation to put themselves in again because it delays this whole decide whether they're trying to rebuild or stay competitive for one more year. It at least gives them more time and maybe they have better luck with Huberto than they did with Johnny Hockey. Um, and also, even if they don't re-sign Huberto, if they are able to re-sign Mackenzie Weger, I think he's a really, really good player. He's underrated. Yes. He had a couple of blunders in the postseason. Who doesn't? It's true. <laughs> it's true. And I think I think that was kind of, unfortunately, what stood out of Weger's play and in, in the was his postseason performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a top four D-man. Yeah. And he's played really well in the regular season. I think it's a huge win for Calgary's defensive core. Definitely. Um, you you basically lose Goodbranson and get weaker. Yeah. So a, a much better defenseman when they're at their I know people peak. were upset when we talked about <laughs> Yeah, Goodbranson's. Some people really like <laughs> Eric Goodbranson, namely Yarmo Kekalainen, um, and yes. also some texters. Yes. But Mackenzie Weger, I think he was also just stuck behind Aaron Ekblad. Um, and to a to a bit of a point, he's going to be stuck behind Kristana, but I think they fit very different roles. Same with Rasmus Anderson in Cal- like Calgary's right side now is really, really good. Yeah. You have Rasmus Anderson, Mackenzie Weger, Chris Tanev. Zadorov. 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 Yeah. Who, yeah, I don't know. he's a big dude. I don't know how, how into him I am, but regardless. Uh, way more solid than the Canucks. Yeah, their defense is is definitely ahead of the Canucks right now. We get another text. Uh, from Jazzy Miller to Calgary, a possibility question mark. They need another top line forward and they have excess defensemen like we just outlined. Uh, plus they have most of their picks. I'd say it's pretty difficult because they still have to re-sign. So they have 9.5 million in cap space left. I believe Calgary does, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they still have to re-sign their RFAs, Andrew Mangiapane and Oliver Shillington. Mm-hmm. Who are both probably, I would say, we're, are going to combine for eight to nine million of that. It's really hard to fit JT Miller in that situation unless they did move one of their defensemen for Miller. But even then, I don't know who who would the Canucks be interested in. Like Chris Tanev is just it'd be no. it'd be a great story, but yeah. also he's just too old for what the Canucks are going for right now. And I feel like he just has bad luck in it, yeah. Canuckland. He's just going to get injured again. He's just very healthy in Calgary. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, they, yeah, Canucks fans would be pumped because they're like, oh, he's healthy now. And then he'd come to Vancouver and it would uh, it would not be the same. Uh, another text, Sergio from Vancouver. Will we still see a Miller trade now, just in general, or are we still waiting on Kadri? What do you think? I don't think, I don't think that they're waiting on Kadri. Right. I... I don't think that's the deciding factor of dealing Miller at this point. I think other teams might be waiting on Kadri. Because then not only do you get a reference point for what Miller might want to resign for, yeah, you get an idea of, let's say, let's say it's the Rangers, and let's say they're interested in Kadri at a certain price point, but if he goes back to Colorado, they obviously don't get him and they have a need for a forward. I don't know if they, if they would now that they have Trocek, but let's say that they do. 
that would mean they're back in on Miller because he's kind of the only center that would be left to fill that kind of void of a point-per-game center that can help out in the playoffs and is probably a good playoff performer. But that being said, I still think a Miller trade could happen before Kadri. It's just based on everything we've seen this offseason, Patrick Alvin seems to want to take his time and is in no rush to deal him for whatever he can get. He just wants to maximize the return, which I think is fair. They but, want, hopefully it, it turns out to be a Duchesne situation. Yeah, or a Kachuk <laughs> situation. Yeah, or yeah. a Kachuk situation. Um, or, yeah. And my initial thought as well, when as we're talking about the Kachuk trade, was that the Canucks need to trade JT Miller right away. Because like this is, a, this is a crazy return. But then, again, after looking into the contract situation, I do think it's it's a lot more fair than it initially seemed. Uh, so that's how that trade went down. The other thing I wanted to mention is how this plays into... So let's just assume that the Flames are going to keep Huberto, they're going to keep Uyghur. Whether they get extended or not is not relevant to this conversation. Let's say they're keeping them for at least the full season mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Where does that put the Canucks and the Flames in the Pacific Division playoff picture? This is to assume that the Canucks are still going to have Miller. Yes. So let's assume both rosters, as they stand, are what the Canu- or are what both teams are going to go into mm-hmm. the regular season with. I think offensively, Canucks are going to be stronger. Sure. Yeah, I I I could see that because like the listen, this isn't. This isn't going to be offensively. It's another year with Pedersen, Horvat, Miller. They all have the chemistry. They they did well last season. You're you're pretty deep down the middle. You're pretty deep down the middle, mm-hmm. and now you don't have a a really a winger problem. Yeah, I would say the Canucks top nine is is better. I do think Calgary has. Has a bit more depth, like their bottom six is probably a bit better. And if the mm-hmm. Canucks did trade Miller, I might give the Flames the edge, yeah. depending on what the Canucks got back in return. But obviously, that's not part of this hypothetical. Um, I'm just not so sure about the defense. The defense is a pretty clear edge to Calgary. Yeah. And then goaltending-wise, Markstrom, Demko, both elite. I don't think either are... I wouldn't really give either the edge. I could say De- I could I'd see- say Demko's bit was more consistent. Yes, Demko could definitely have a better year. I just mm-hmm. don't know if he would have such a better year that it overcomes the Canucks' deficiencies on defense. Mm-hmm. So let's say so. Would you say Calgary is better than the Canucks now? I I I really I don't know. I think that it would be really tough in a seven game. If you were to put them in a seven game series, like it's going to game seven. I'd say so. Okay, I could see that. So let's go through the teams. So there's San Jose, who I think, <laughs> who I think, pretty <laughs> we love clearly starting with San Jose. Yeah, I'm trying to start with the easy ones. San Jose, pretty clearly not going to be a great team this year, unless they really surprise. Not for a long time. Josh. No, they look are, at their deals. They are very stuck, and they have to figure out what's going on with Timo Meyer as well. Uh, so I would say they're at least bottom two in the division because the other team I would say is clearly worse than the Canucks. At least one of them, the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah. Who I think are on the upswing. I thought they would try to take a bigger step this offseason just based on having Zegras, having all those young guys. But 
obviously they uh, they still have a lot of cap space left, but I just don't see that kind of move. I don't really understand their direction. Yeah, I, I think they're going for a slow burn, and yeah. that's fair, but I think they had an opportunity to try to take a bit of a step forward this offseason, and they haven't really haven't really done that. But that being said, they could still be around the playoff conversation in a way. I just I think if one team was to fall off between, let's say it's the Canucks and Ducks, I would put the Ducks lower in the division. So are we fair saying the Sharks and Ducks are bottom two yes. so far? And then where do you put Seattle? I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> uh, I would say Seattle do just slightly better next season. Mm-hmm. But they'll still be yeah. below. So bottom, th- bottom half, for bottom sure. three, bottom three. So I think we can safely say, unless Anaheim uses that cap space and tries to do something more drastic in the remainder of the off season, which I don't see happening, but I think we can safely say bottom three would be San Jose, Anaheim, Seattle. But I'd say this time it'll be San Jose at the very bottom, mm-hmm. then Anaheim, then Seattle. So Seattle finishing sixth. Yes. Okay. And then we get into the top five, mm-hmm. where things get a little more muddy. So it's you've got the Canucks, you've got the Vegas Golden Knights, you've got the Edmonton Oilers, and the Calgary Flames. And I'm missing a team. LA the Kings. Kings. The Kings. Can't forget the Kings. Can't forget the Kings. They made that Fiala trade. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where things get really complicated for me. Because a week yeah. ago, if you had asked me, I would have said, hey, the Flames are trading Kachuk. The Canucks are going to be better. And then they got a return that essentially makes it, I would say the Flames and Canucks are very close to even next year. Yes. And I would say the Kings. Assuming they all play to their potential. Yes. And I would say the Kings are in that same conversation. Completely agree. Okay. I wish I I wouldn't, but I completely (laughs) agree. Yes. Uh, So they're in the same conversation. And then the Golden Knights to me, look, I know last year they had a a bad year. Mm Mm-hmm. But they were very, very injured. Yes. And I know they just lost Pacioretty as well. And then also the Jack Eichel effect, of course. Yeah, Jack Eichel <laughs> just screws everything up everywhere he goes. Uh, but I just, as much as I want to see them fail, just because I think they're a, a team that doesn't treat their players properly, which is, you know what, do what you want to do. You're a business, run it however you want to run it. Yes, <laughs> they don't value their, their yeah. star players at all. They yeah. will replace them in a second if it means that they may get to the finals. <laughs> yes. So I would like to see them fail, but I see them competing for first in the Pacific Division. Yeah. I also see Edmonton, unless Jack Campbell, look, I think Jack Campbell's getting paid a bit too much in Edmonton, but unless he is way worse than everyone expects him to be, I can't see them not taking a slight step forward next season. And I think that just safely, with McDavid and Dreisaitl just, overcoming all their deficiencies elsewhere, I think that safely puts them in a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. So let's say, so we'll say the Vegas Golden Knights and Edmonton Oilers are top two in the division. Is and that, is Mar- that is, fair to say? Yeah, and Mark Stone, obviously, too, plays a huge factor. Yeah, if he stays healthy. If he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that, and then that there's that fight for third. So there's Mm -hmm. Calgary, Vancouver, LA. And you also have the wild cards, but I do think the central, you look at Colorado, Minnesota, who I know lost Fiala, but they're still a pretty good team. Uh, St. Louis. Right. 
really the only teams you can write off there are Chicago and Arizona. Yeah. Because even Dallas. Arizona. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> Arizona not competing for a playoff spot next season. In that beautiful new building. Oh, uh, man. Oh. Honestly, I am really excited to see a game. Like, I would go to a game there. I'm going to a game. Uh, We're booking tickets. Yes. Just for the sake of saying that you went, why not? Yeah. And, it like, honestly, the atmosphere, if you could watch a really good team play against the Coyotes, who will be a really bad team, in a 5,000-seat arena, the hey, intimacy seems kind of fun. Just throw out the fact that it's going to be NHL teams. Just go watch, like, high-end U.S. college hockey. The atmosphere in those buildings is phenomenal. Yeah. And then you throw in, you know, the gas fire of NHL hockey. It could be even better. Yeah. It or could. it could go horribly wrong. Yeah. Or it could be the absolute opposite of what we're, we're what we're saying. Ever since the franchise moved to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. That could happen as well. Six, but 650, 615 to the Dunbar Lumber text line. People texting in. Unsigned, not complicated. Fan at Edmonton fight for first. I'd love to see it. But again, I just think Vegas is in that conversation. And I think I'm higher on the Canucks than most people. And even I would say they're probably fighting for third place. And it really yeah. depends on it really depends on what the defense does and it, it and a lot of it comes back to JT Miller as well and if he's on the team that's a big boost if he's not they're probably not getting a, a, a an immediate return for him. And so I just don't know if that's their it, it's going to be we have to see what happens for the remainder of the offseason, I guess. Jeff and Comox, I think the JT Miller angle is changing. With the Pacific being an underwhelming division, I wouldn't be surprised if the new management group keeps JT and commits to him for six to seven years. An improved D can be figured out by other smaller moves with other less important players. I think the Canucks forward group will make a big jump next season and we end up top two to three in the division. Just saying. I can see that. Like, if the forward group makes up pretty heavily for whatever issues the defense might have. And honestly, I don't think the defense is as bad is as bad as we might think, but it still has some issues. Yeah. And the forward group definitely has to make up for it. But if they can do that and Demko can help out as well, it's not unreasonable to think they might finish second in the division. Again, I just go back to them fighting for third with Calgary and LA. And maybe Edmonton fits in that conversation as well. And that's why the Canucks are able to jump over them. It's just hard to, when a team has McDavid and Dreisaitl like we've seen, even if they have issues, they usually end up making the playoffs. And I just, now that they have Campbell, I think that was kind of their sore spot. And they they tidied it up a little bit. Uh, do we have any other? Yeah, sacks? Colin and Vancouver. Don't forget the Calgary Flames have Lucic and Monaghan coming off Flames books after next year. Canucks could retain on Miller this year. They could. But it, it the but the Flames have nine point five this season. Also, like, are the Flames going to be done trying to acquire any more? Just because I think that they would like to rely on Lucic and Monahan as more of the depth position in the fourth line. Yeah. So I don't know if Bradshaw Living is done. There were the talks about the Flames being interested in Nazem Kadri still, but he's that would be. A- <laughs> That would, that would be annoying. That would be annoying. Yeah, but also he's expressed interest or no interest in going there and has in the past not had a desire to play there. Uh, but if if they did get someone of that ilk, they would, again, in my eyes, just be 
above the Canucks. But I, I can't see them doing it. I think they're going to re-sign Mangiapane and Shillington, and that's going to be their remainder moves, and then they're going to be close to the cap heading into next season. Unless they're able to move someone else out. But that's where I see them ending up. Marcus and Gibsons, will the Flames extend Huberto before the season begins? If so, how does that affect the possible JT Miller extension? I don't know. It's tough because I think Huberto is a better player in my eyes, or at least has more of a track record. And so you can point to that and say that's why he deserves to get paid. It would really depend on how much he got paid and what the cap it was. I do think it would it would be a comparable for the Canucks to use. Same as same as Kadri, same as many other players around that age range that have put up a point-per-game pace for a few seasons. Lots of texts coming in. We'll get to more of the texts coming back because we got a break, and we will play uh, Jonathan Huberto and Uyghur's, uh media availability that was uh, a couple hours ago. Uh, more on this on Sportsnet Today with Josh and Lena on Sportsnet 650. It is Sportsnet Today. It's Josh Elliott Wolf, Lena Satagin. We're here till two, and then the People Show revamped. Dan Riccio, Bic Nazar, not revamped forever. It's just lots of people are on vacation. Home edit. Yeah, so we're just uh, filling in where we can fill in. They're on from two to six today, and then I believe it's the Mariners after them. I believe so. So <laughs> the knots red hot Mariners anymore. The Mariners were red hot going into the All Star break. They are ice cold coming out of it. <laughs> They are marinersing <laughs> this up. A bit of humble pie with Astros coming through. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, but we did get some text through the break, 650, yes. 650, Dunbar Lumber text line, talking about the Matthew Kachuk trade, mm-hmm. the Flames getting Huberdeau, everything related to it. Also, I did want to mention at 1 o'clock, we're going to be talking a lot of F1 with Jonathan Brazo. Uh Get writes, your questions in. Rights for Sportsnet. Yeah, if yeah. you have any questions about the French Grand Prix yesterday, any season-long questions, send them in. We will definitely pass them on. That was fun. Formula One on Sportsnet 650. We will talk about that next egg. Uh, but any texts you want to read? Yeah, there's uh, there's a few. So we'll get into that before we get into Huberto and, and Uyghur. Colin in Vancouver, would a Miller-Rathbone for Rasmus Anderson deal be crazy? Assuming Miller is willing to extend with the Flames. I think that's a bit of an overpay from the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did get another text from Jazzy that says, Miller with salary retained for Rasmus Anderson and a pick. Ooh. I think that's a bit more realistic. But here here's the issue. I think the Flames really value their defensive depth that they now have with Rasmus Anderson. Because Uyghur. it's hard to fill. It's really hard to find good right-handed defensemen, yeah. and they have three of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I think they really value having that. I will say Uyghur is going to take over a bit of the role Anderson fills. I would assume mm-hmm. that Uyghur is going to be on power play one, um, and that's where Anderson got a lot of points last year. The other issue with Anderson, and look, I, d- I do get the fit that Canucks fans are seeing. Yeah. The Flames need to forward. The Canucks need defensemen. The Flames want to win now. If the Canucks are trading Miller, they're probably not trying to win this season. And Anderson's at a good age. Anderson's 25. He's got a decent contract. He's signed at 4.5 for four more years. But that's the other thing is I think Calgary sees that contract and they say, hey, he's he's good and we want to keep him. Yeah. Chris Tanev, I think, has two more years after – or two more years including this next coming season. So he's a – He's a UFA in 2024. 
So okay. I think they just want to keep Anderson because he's there. He has the longest term left on their defense. Uh, but again, I do see I do see where Canucks fans are seeing the fit. I just don't know if Anderson is the guy I would target. And I don't think, based on what we've heard from the Canucks and some potential offers they've been considering or have been floated to them, I don't think that's the type of defenseman they're targeting. They're more looking for someone like Braden Schneider. I don't know if they'll get him, but somebody who's more a defensive defenseman, Chris Tanev-esque player that could play <laughs> with Quinn Hughes for a very long time. Yeah. Um, so going back, uh, James and Van texted in about when we were talking in the first segment about Canucks versus Flames, who kind of has the edge for next season. Uh, he says, yikes, guys. I'm no Flames fan, but they're still the best and deepest team in the division. Best goalie by just a smidge over Demko and best defense by a significant amount. Also, best coach. Their forwards are still way better built for the late season grind than anyone else's. I don't know. I like Sutter. I don't know if I would say best coach. I guess by default, he's kind of best coach. So I'll I give mean, him that. he did give Goudreau and Kachuk their yeah. career highs. <laughs> yes. So, okay, you went on the coach. I would say defensively, they're definitely the best team in the division. Mm-hmm. Forward-wise, look, I see the big bodies, and I get what they did last year. And it definitely plays into Sutter's coaching style very, very well with guys like Lucic, Lewis, they they just have a lot of Coleman. They have a, a lot of guys that are very annoying to play against. And it and it does help later in the season and in the playoffs. Obviously, it didn't help too much in this past playoffs, but generally it does help. Um, I just don't know if their league's better than what the Canucks' max potential would be. And, and maybe I'm wrong again, and maybe Calgary comes in, they win the division very easily. I just think they're in the same conversation as the Canucks and Kings this year. And I would throw the Oilers in there too. And the only team I would say is clearly going to be in the playoffs would be Vegas. But even that has some question marks. Are we thinking differently about Calgary if Markstrom isn't as subpar as he was, especially against Edmonton? I don't know. Like, I still think he's a really good goal. Like, I still trust Markstrom. So do I, yeah. I just don't know. It's more the forward the forward depth, but if that if that comes through, I think they're still a really good team. It's it's gonna be really hard to not see them in the playoffs. The more I talk about it, the more I convince myself that they are going to be a pretty clear playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think that's the text we were gonna get to. Keep texting in six fifty, six fifty Dunbar Lumber text line. But we did want to replay some audio. So earlier today, Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger spoke to Flames Media, and there's a lot of interesting tidbits in this, including the potential of if they would want to stay long-term in Calgary, which is obviously a big concern for Flames fans because they just lost two players who didn't want to re-sign long-term in Calgary. And again, like we said in the first segment, they are both players are slated uh, to go into UFA in 2023. Yes, so they have one year to figure this out. Uh, so let's replay that now. Uh, Huberto and Weger. Speaking earlier today, they start off by talking about whether or not they were caught off guard by the trade on Friday. We didn't really expect it uh, as late on Friday night. I mean, you don't you don't think you're going to get a call, but um, we did. And I think it's part of a uh, hockey business. And obviously, me and Weeks had a great time in Florida. I mean, I was there for a really long time. That's where obviously I got drafted. So, yeah, it was a. A big shock for me, 
and uh, for me and my family. And I think, you know, obviously going through the, the, the weekend kind of had to, you know, thought about everything and it's part of life. And now we just got to go forward and I'm excited to be, uh, to be a flame and uh, excited to, to meet the guys and get going in, uh, in this new city. Yeah. I mean, following up Johnny, I, I guess for, for both of us, it was, it was a bit of a shock, but I get, I get the, the part of the hockey business and, and that side of it. Um, but I guess 11 o'clock at night on a Friday, I guess it was a little unexpected. And, um, you know, like you said, we got drafted there. We got a lot of emotional ties there, a lot of good buddies and, um, they treat us well. So, um, little emotional, but throughout the weekend, you kind of get more excited. The, the flame friend, the flame fans have treated us, you know, with, um, you know, a lot of good responses and um, they're excited to have us and I'm excited to be a flame and, and to join uh, the team here, uh, a solid team and, and to make a really good push for the Stanley Cup is going to be exciting. Okay, so a question for both of you as well. And, and I know you've been a flame for like 48 hours, but the question everybody in Calgary wants to know is, would you be open to the possibility at some point down the road of staying long-term in Calgary? Yeah, we're, I mean, I'm open. I mean, we, we've never been really talked about that, but I mean, I'm open to stay in Calgary for, for a long time. And obviously, like you said, we've only been there for 48 hours, but it's, uh, you know, we haven't got to to go to Calgary and, and see everything, but it's, um, I'm open for it. And I kind of led that to the GM and my agent and, and they started, they already started talking about it, but We'll see what's going to happen, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm open for it for sure. Yeah, uh, same here. Open to signing a long-term deal. And, um, you know, like Johnny said, it's been quick and uh, it's been short so far, but um, the city and, and the team, um, you know, there's no reason not to uh, not to be open about it. So I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, my agent talking to Brad and, and seeing what, uh, what's going on. But yeah, I'm, I'm very open to it. And, and finally, guys, what, in terms of ties to Calgary, do you guys know much about the city and do you know many of the guys on the team? Have you played with any of the guys on the team before at world championships or, or growing up? No, I have, you know, I don't know uh, any, not much about the city. I know that uh, the stampede just happened and, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, outdoor stuff, country and cowboys and stuff like that. But other than that, um, I'm not too familiar with it. The mountains look good. Um, you know, the, you know, I don't know anybody on the team, but they all uh, reached out to Hubie and I and uh, all seemed like a great group of guys. So I'm looking forward to getting to know the team and the city and, and everybody uh, involved around that team. Yeah, I mean, same thing. I've been to the Stampede one time, uh, three, four years ago, I think. So obviously that was the only time I kind of went to uh, to Calgary. Uh, with, obviously we, we played there a lot of times, but... Uh, we know that the fans are passionate, so that's that's pretty cool. You know, obviously, when, when you play there, it's always loud. And and people, you know, they know their stuff. And they, they know, like I said, they, I, think, I think that's the most exciting part. And after you get to know the city, um, we're gonna, probably going to go there in the summer and see see what's going on, where we're going to live and stuff. But uh, it, for, for me, uh, I'm excited. It's a new chapter, and I'm just uh, to, to get going and get meet the guys. And I think... I play with Markstrom, so uh, and yeah, that would be probably the guy that I play with that's uh, there. Thanks, uh, John. And I guess just to start, did, did you have a good time at the Stampede? <laughs> yeah, always a good time. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Obviously, who doesn't have a good time at the Stampede? And I think, like uh, we just said, uh, it just happened. So I think uh, it must have been electric. I mean, you can see the vibe in, in the city. It's pretty cool. And I, when I went there, I got dressed as a cowboy. So it was a, a cool experience. Um, I guess for both of you, when, when you do look at, at, at this squad, um, do you think you guys are stepping into a team that, that can contend right away this year? Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, I think they're – obviously, it's a, it's a really good team. We're, I'm excited to, to join these guys, and I think, you know, they, they want to win. It's not a, a rebuild. I mean, th this team's good. I think, uh, you know, obviously, they, they lost their guys, but we're coming in, and we're going to help uh, – we're going to help them to, to get to the next level. And I think we want to – me and Wiggs are asleep to win the Cup, and we're excited. I think there's a really good squad already there, and we're just going to go there and, and help them. Yeah, I agree with you, B. Um, I think the, the team looks really good. Obviously, for you guys, it's obviously been an emotional week with the ups and downs and uh, losing two great players. But, you know, to have Hubie and I come in and, um, you know, get a little bit more excitement around the city again. And uh, I don't think it's a rebuild either. I think when you bring in Johnny and I, um, you know, we're here to win. And uh, I think Brad knows that. Uh, he wants to win now and the team wants to win now. So I think we got a really good chance at winning the Stanley Cup. And, um, you know, Johnny and I are, are ready to start winning with this team. Hey, guys. Welcome to Calgary. Um, all due respect to Eric, I think the, the other question that uh, Flames fans are really interested in, uh, directed to, to Jonathan, um, have you given any thought to your jersey number? Uh, I know you've worn 11 pretty much dating back to your time in junior, but Michael Backlund's been wearing 11 in Calgary for, I think, since 2007 or 2008. Have you had any thoughts about the number, and have you engaged in any negotiations for 11 yet? Yeah, no, obviously, you know, Backlund's a veteran, and he, he deserves to keep his number. And, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll change my number, but uh, I'm not sure. I've been, I mean, I've, I've been thinking about it a little bit, but I haven't made a decision yet. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, the team kind of asked me what I was gonna wear, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see in the next couple of days. I gotta obviously talk to my family. I wanna, I wanna get the obviously a good number. I always wore eleven, so it's gonna be a tough kind of change. I was, I was uh, hoping each of you could sort of describe uh, your the other player coming over in the deal, just from your perspective of what the Flames are are getting. I think he's a, a great young player. Uh, he played a few games with us uh, this year. Um, very humble kid. Um, he's big, obviously has, uh, you know, a high ceiling. And um, I think he's going to be a good player eventually. You know, he's he's probably just as excited as the rest of us. And he was probably just as maybe shocked as, as Hubie and I. So, um, you know, I'm still actually... I haven't reached out to him yet to see how he's doing and letting him digest. But he, you're, you got a, yourself another good young forward. Uh, he's a top prospect, and I think he's going to be a, a value to the Calgary Flames here uh, in the in the near future. Yeah, I mean, we said it all. That was a good uh, description. But uh, for for what we saw, I mean, we didn't really see him that much. But training camp, and I think he's you know I see a righty, a big big guy. He's got a lot of skills, and I think he's a great skater. And from what I saw, I mean, he was really good. I thought he was pretty close to play in this league. And I think, uh, like, uh, you know, Mackenzie said, it's, uh, I think in the near future, he's going to have a spot in, in the NHL. And uh, I think that's, uh, you know, another good player that, that the Calgary Flames added. And uh, it's just going to be up to him to, to, to crack the lineup. 
Hey guys, welcome to Calgary. Uh, Mackenzie, you mentioned earlier just the, the kind of the roller coaster that Flames fans have been on, uh, seeing two American stars leave the city. Bradshaw Living said that the city's taken a couple of body shots lately, but I'm curious, uh, how do you feel about coming to play in Canada, a couple provinces over from where you grew up? Yeah, this is, uh, this is super cool for me, uh, playing in a, in a Canadian market. Um, I never really thought that I would probably play for a Canadian market, but um, this is going to be super exciting for me and, and my family. Uh, lots of history, obviously, with Calgary, and I, I got to watch them growing up, obviously, a lot. And, um, you know, the fans here are so passionate, and um, they're loud. And I know when Johnny and I have, have come to Calgary and played against the Flames, it's been a cra- it's been crazy. So um, watching you guys in the playoffs and seeing the – you know, the sea red and stuff like that. And now to be part of it, it's uh, it's a really cool feeling. It's very surreal for myself. Um, you know, obviously Johnny and I being Canadian kids. So, um, you know, I'm glad that maybe we could, you know, make the blows a little bit softer on, on the city. Uh, Jonathan, just the same question for you, please. Yeah, same. I mean, I think it's, uh, it's exciting. I mean, playing, you never thought you would play, I would play in Canada. And I think, you know, obviously, like, a lot of history in, in this club and watching, you know, like I said, this year we kind of watched a little bit more playoffs and see the atmosphere in the building and, uh, you know, passionate fan and the community. And uh, it's good to see the warm welcome, too. Everybody's excited. Like you said, you know, they lost their two, you know, best player in, in the team. And I think it was tough for, for the fans and the community. And now it kind of, you know, rejuvenate everyone, and it's uh, it's cool to see that that we can bring that to the 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 flames and the, and the fans. And I think for me, I'm excited to to get going and you know, obviously step on the ice and play in front of the, the nice fans up there. Uh, one more for me for both of you guys. Uh, I think from an outside perspective here, at least, it kind of seemed like Brunette was a player's coach. Both you guys both had career years. Uh, what are your thoughts on playing under Daryl Sutter? This is going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. You obviously see a lot of Daryl in, in the media and um, what he brings, but I think a, a coach, um, he's a great coach. He obviously has a, a lot of experience and a great resume. So um, Hubie and I are excited to, you know, get to know Daryl on a personal level and uh, obviously learn a lot of things from him and, and hopefully he can, I'm sure, not hope, I'm sure he'll make us a, a lot better as players and as people. So we're excited to, uh, to play for him. Uh, he's got our respect already, and uh, we're going to work work very hard for him. Yeah, I heard. I mean, guys, obviously that 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 place for them. You, you know, you got to work hard, and that that's what he brings to. I mean, with his experience, you know, you, you res- respect uh, Daryl, and we haven't talked to him yet. But I'm excited to get to know him, and obviously work for him. And uh, I heard just good things about him. Obviously, we see. Is media, so it's uh, obviously being being outsider, but now you know, having the chance to work for him, it's uh, it's going to be a cool. Uh, so that was Jonathan Huberdo and Mackenzie Weger talking to Calgary media for the first time after being traded to Calgary. Uh, a couple takeaways there. First one, so Huberdo and Weger both said, "Yeah, we'd be open to signing in Calgary long term." Mm-hmm. But also, what else are they going to say? Yeah, like, they're not going to sit down and say, I don't see myself in Calgary. I'm not really happy about this trade because, naturally, 
they'll be there at least for this next season. They mm-hmm. don't want Calgary f- fans who are passionate to be hating on them because of that. And it's such a short-term thing. If they did want to leave, you can just say, hey, I'd be open to it mm-hmm. and get through the year and then do what you want to do. Uh, but that being said, they could also be like, they, they could say other things that make it seem like they did want to leave. They could they could do Bois if they wanted to. <laughs> Oh my uh, god, that's a whole other story. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Dubois took his qualifying offer, by the way. He's definitely going to go to Montreal at some point. Um, but the other thing, main takeaway, they know a lot of party spots in Calgary. <laughs> yes, as as Eddie had mentioned as well. Yeah, fast Eddie Gregory. It's uh, <laughs> like they're the only thing they know about Calgary is the stampede and where to go if they want to have a good time. Yep. Which I mean is probably what most people know about Calgary, to it's be fair. True. But Although the Stampede is just basically parking lot partying. Yeah. <laughs> it is a bit questionable to say, though, if you're two guys coming from the team that went out partying after a Game 3 loss to Tampa Bay mm-hmm. in the Stanley Cup playoffs and subsequently went on to lose Game 4 in a shutout and get swept. Yeah, major yikes. Major yikes. <laughs> maybe maybe not the right move. But you know what? They did it, and I think they're going to have a good year in Calgary. I just don't know if they're going to be there long-term, personally. Um, another thing that came out over the weekend, I don't know if you saw, but the Canucks' potential reverse retro jersey leaked over the weekend. Someone texted in about this earlier, actually. Yes, someone did. Uh, they were a fan of it. They were a fan. I... I it's been very divisive from Rob, what I've seen online. Rob and Surrey, can you guys talk about the new Canucks jersey leak? A lot of people seem to hate it, but I think it's great. Rob and Surrey. I love jersey talk. I have quite a few jerseys. Lena, we've been over this. Lena's not much of a hockey jersey person, but you, no. you do have a lot of jerseys in general. I have a couple of hockey jerseys. Uh, I just find them the least wearable outside of hockey games. Mm-hmm. So I don't find investing money into them as smart or efficient. A worthwhile endeavor. A worthwhile endeavor. Um, I would say my my most is basketball jerseys, and then my close second would be baseball jerseys. But yes. Fair enough. So what are your thoughts on the jersey? When I first saw it, you showed it to me. Yes. And I said, it looks a bit incomplete. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I always use this example when I don't like a jersey. I say it looks like a beer league jersey, but it truly does look like a beer league jersey. To me, yeah, my first thought, and look, maybe it looks better on the ice. Maybe this isn't even the actual jersey, but everything's everything kind of points to it being the actual jersey. My first thought was it was one of those ones, you know, when you go to Walmart yes. and you're in the sports section and you go to the end and they're like, we have official Canucks jerseys and they look really bad. It, I thought it was one of those. It just screams to me. As a whole, the NHL and the whole jersey concept, they're running out of ideas. I've gone through so many jersey designs in the last 20 years and third jerseys and alternate jerseys, and I get it. They want to continue to make more jerseys and hopefully make more money. What else is left? I like the idea, though. I like the concept of reverse retro. Yeah. I I was one of the few that liked the Sprite jersey. The original ones were good. The original yes. reverse retro has lots of good ones in there. I And I think there might be a lot of good ones in this phase, too. Yes. I just don't know if the Canucks are going to fit in. I, I liked the colors. I will say I liked it looked like a navy and teal 
sort of situation. I hate it even more than I looked it up again, and I'm just looking at it. You're so right. It looks like someone ironed on that logo. Yeah. Uh, and it and they just they didn't finalize the size and they're like, oh screw it, we already printed like fifty of these. Let's just make them the size <laughs> yes. and ironed it on. It could be one of those things where you're going to a Canucks game, say five and ten years from now, and someone is wearing that jersey and you're wondering if it's the official jersey that they wore in a game at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just not a big Johnny Canuck logo fan either. I don't mind that aspect of it, but I, I it is a little too big. The one thing I'm thankful for is the they didn't do a gradient. I love the gradient. I don't like, I like gradient. the gradient. I was, mm. I was I love gradient. Yeah, that's why I loved honest. So the first, the first gradient or the second one, when it was the orca and it went from navy to red. The original. That was my first ever Canucks jersey. I had a Dan Cluche. That's pretty sick. Gradient jersey. I've always wanted a Jovanovski one of those. Yeah, and it was sick. And then when they brought them back, I was all in. Um, so yeah, it, it had a soft spot in my heart. This one. And I get there. It's like it's a callback to when the Vancouver Canucks were a WHL team. That's why it says 1962 on the collar, I believe. But it just doesn't work for me. I maybe I have to see it on ice, but as of now, it doesn't work for me. We'll wait to see if it is actually official too. But again, usually you can tell with these things when they're fake. This one seems very real. I'd want to see it in the original WHL Canucks colors of the era from the 60s. Yeah. Not that design in the current Canucks colors. Mm -hmm. Just pay true homage to a chapter of Vancouver hockey history before the NHL. Fair enough. Like the Vancouver Millionaires. Yes. Right? I I was hoping they'd do something with the Millionaires logo and make it blue and green. What about a lighter version? We never saw like a white version of the Millionaires jersey. That would have been good too. I like the Millionaires jerseys. I love when they wore it. The the Heritage Classic one, that's one of my favorite jerseys. I love that. Absolutely. Definitely yeah. nice. Minor uh, Matt in Abbotsford, 650-650, number on number text line. The whale is one of the worst logos in the NHL. Better than the flying skate, though. I will say that. Yes. And I know that's a hot take, but the flying skate is a mess. And I'm not. Wow. I grew up with that logo, and I honestly never saw the skate until I was well into my 30s. <laughs> yeah. Because my eyes were just drawn to the Canucks word mark on it, and just, everything above it, to me, it was just lines. Yeah. And I had those jerseys as a kid. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what it was either until... Like, well, I was probably like 14, 15, and someone was like, flying skate. And I was like, oh, it's not lines. Okay, I get it. Um, but yeah, so look up the jersey if you want. It's uh, it's definitely out there. You can find pictures, but it's very divisive. I wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I can see the appeal. Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Jonathan Baz- Brazo of Sportsnet. We're going to talk Formula One. Big race yesterday. Lots of storylines this season. Stick around. We're going to talk to him on the other side. This is Sportsnet Today. I'm Josh Elliott-Wolf with Lena Satagian on Sportsnet 650. Sportsnet Today, Josh Elliott-Wolf, Lena Satagian. By the way, producer Eddie Gregory, three for three so far. Killing. I think actually he's the best of all time. Yeah. It, I don't think Ben. Going around the goat word is a little risque. It's <laughs> not. It's not. You know why? Because Josh used to produce OT. And I would slam him all the time for the music. Yeah. And and other healthy rotations of people that have chosen music. You are at the top of my list, probably because you've just nailed every the genre I listen to the most. There you go. You're three for three. It's a it's fantastic showing. I was, also, a, little, I was a little nervous sometimes when I did do the OT show with you and and uh Caroline and Caroline, Lindsay. yeah. It's but, a it's frightening. Yeah. They, there's a lot of pressure on the music. A little bit. 
I have my own taste. Yeah. Well, Caroline and you have similar taste. Yes. And I think in some ways similar personalities, too. <laughs> yeah. I've heard her off air. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be joined by Jonathan Brazo in a couple moments here just to talk about Formula One. He's a uh, writer for Sportsnet and associate editor as well for Sportsnet.ca. It was an interesting race yesterday, Max Verstappen winning again, uh, because Red Bull has just been, in my opinion, leagues better than most teams this season. And we're going to talk to Jonathan a bit about this, but I would also put uh, Ferrari up there. But and we'll talk about this as well. But they keep shooting themselves in the foot, mm-hmm. and it happened again yesterday. It's been really frustrating to watch. And I know you and I are both, I would say, Ferrari fans. Yes. If we had to pick a team, mm-hmm. it's it's been tough. It's been a tough watch. <laughs> they made some very questionable calls. Uh, listening to uh, the signs, one in particular was like, no. <laughs> But good for Signs for keeping it together while he was doing. Yeah, was honestly, it? I think Signs just tunes out whatever they're saying now. At this rate, yeah. On and it's worked every time he's done it. When he tunes them out, he generally has a better race than when he does, which is which is not a good sign. <laughs> no, <It's> like, <laughs> there's a lot of work to do in uh, Ferrari Land. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, Mercedes yesterday going double podium, second and third. Lewis Hamilton, George Russell. Uh, Max Verstappen, again, like I said, was the winner. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting to see what Mercedes is doing right now because I think they've, they haven't been dominating, so they're kind of going under the radar, but they're still picking up points and they're still kind of in the conversation when it comes to being the, when it comes to the Constructors' Championship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're definitely still within striking range. Completely. Um, lots of texts coming in. This one's my favorite. Marcus and Gibson's F1 talk. Let's go. The station needs an F1 guy slash woman to cover the sport and possibly travel with the circuit. Growing sport. Jump on board now. I'm reading that out loud because I'm hoping someone out there hears... Here's one of us talking about it, and it inspires them to perhaps. Honestly, yeah, if you just watch Drive to Survive, you're going to be into it. It's oh, yeah. hard. It's hard not to get into it after watching it, and I and I know a few people have. They just it's hard to get. It. It's also hard to watch a sport consistently when it's on at like 6 a.m. every Sunday. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta be a little strategic, and there's some races that are in the U.S. or in Canada, Mexico that work a little bit better in our time favor, but it's uh it's tough to follow for a full season, but if you watch Drive to Survive, you'll get into it. You'll be following the storylines. Do you think the show is the like pretty much ultimate reason why everyone is getting into the sport now, more so than before? Or do you think it's always been this big, it's more of just like a North America thing? I think it's finally coming over to North America. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll be joined now by... Jonathan Brazo, associate editor, and writes about F1 for Sportsnet. Thanks, Jonathan, for taking the time. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Josh. How are you guys? We're doing great. Uh, just recovering from that race yesterday. <laughs> we were talking a bit before. We're both. We're both. If we were to choose a team, Ferrari fans. So this is this has been a tough season. Um, yeah. But 
Red Bull. putting it lightly. <laughs> yes. We'll no. get into it. Don't we'll worry. get into it. But <laughs> I wanted to start by asking about Red Bull and just another win for Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez coming in fourth. Do you think they're just far and away the best this season and they're going to run away with it? Or could you see another team, maybe Ferrari, maybe Mercedes after the break, getting back into it? You know what? Yeah, Red Bull is definitely like a step above the class right now. And Ferrari is really the only one that's kind of shown that they can keep pace and pass them. Like Mercedes has done well. They're kind of trending in the right direction, but they don't quite have that it factor that has really convinced me that they can really challenge. So yeah, definitely it looks like this is going to be Max's title to lose at this point. Cause he's just going to roll away with it. And well, yeah, we'll get into Ferrari in a little bit. They, they can challenge, but it's looking like Max is going to be in the league going down into the second half here. Yeah. Well, like we said, we'll get into Ferrari, but I wanted to start with Mercedes because They've kind of been, look, they haven't been as dominant as they have been in previous seasons, but they've mm-hmm. been flying under the radar a bit. George Russell had that streak of top five finishes, and Lewis Hamilton has been getting closer to a win lately. Uh, they both finished second and third again yesterday. Do you think they're back to being the Mercedes of old, or are they just getting more help from teams like Ferrari, who are kind of shooting themselves in the foot more often than not in the last few weeks? Yeah, it's been a bit of both because on one hand they did have the double podium this weekend first time of the season for them but at the same time you have to think well if Ferrari didn't shoot themselves in the foot would that have been a double podium for Ferrari so I definitely think that maybe it was the new rules and regulations that they just kind of had to figure things out a bit and they are definitely heading towards where I think they will get those wins Eventually, because as we've seen George Russell this season, other than one race, he's finished in the top five all season long. And Lewis Hamilton has actually outperformed him in the last few races, even which is pretty nice to see, because as we all know, Lewis is one of the greatest of all time. And they keep saying now that he's reached 300 races, well, no one over 300 races has won a race. But I mean, how many other drivers are out there like Lewis Hamilton? This is a generation real talent so it'll be interesting to see how this team continues to go along in that direction we've got a texture in here and um, we're talking to jonathan brazo about f1 here for sportsnet um marcus and gibsons is asking please ask jonathan what is ferrari thinking pitting signs when they didn't need to and have they fumbled this year worse than any team it seemed they had a legit chance early on but Red Bull is running away with the Constructors' Championship. <laughs> well, I think the problem is what is Ferrari thinking is that they're not thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> almost like they're not as watching. Much as you want to say, well, they have had engine problems here and there, and you kind of budget for stuff like that to happen. Like, nobody's perfect. Something's going to go wrong with the car eventually over the year. But it's the communication problems that are really bugging me because when you see, even going back to Monaco, when they – called in Leclerc and Saints into the pits at the same time, and that held up Leclerc. And then definitely this in France, it really had Carlos going crazy because you had them messing up what kind of penalty he was facing. And then also while he's trying to battle out Sergio there for position, they're like, box, box, box. And he's like, not now, not now. So 
it almost seems like they're not even watching the race sometimes. It's crazy. But, yeah, they definitely have to figure out those communication issues because between that and figuring out the engine, obviously the communication issues is going to be the easiest of the two to solve. For sure, yeah. And it was a, it was an issue for Charles, Le- Charles Leclerc again yesterday who seemed to be, at least at the beginning of the season, the main and probably still is the main competitor for – the drivers' championship with Max Verstappen, and it was another DNF for him yesterday, crashing into the wall. The big thing coming out of that for me, though, was just the the frustration in his voice after, and you could kind of mm-hmm. you could kind of take away from it that hey, maybe this is the the season slipping away for him, and all this frustration is adding up. Do you think there's anything Ferrari can do to kind of ease that frustration, or is it just it, it's going to be a tough season for him moving forward? Oh, for sure. Like, it's definitely kind of getting into his head a bit. You can sense when you sense that frustration because he was talking about how many points there are just slipping away. And as, like, it's only the midway point pretty much here. There's still lots of racing to go. He can climb back and chip away at the gap. But yeah, it's definitely going to be, he's going to have to focus on task at hand and just not somehow not let the races slip away from him again. Okay, our next one, the fan favorite, Daniel Ricardo. Uh, we were discussing <laughs> this last week on our show about how Ricardo is um, fighting to make a comeback. Do you see him coming around in the second half here for McLaren? Um, maybe not to the point where he's challenging for wins, but I think there is a bit of a, the pressure's kind of off a bit now that there isn't as much expectation because Let's face it, he's had a dreadful season all along that right now any points he can chip away at will be a win in my books. And the last two races, he's gotten to the points, so it's just going to be a very slow process again to kind of build up that confidence, I believe. This is Sportsnet Today with Josh Elliott Wolf and Lena Satagian. We're talking to Jonathan Brazo of Sportsnet.ca, writes about F1. Uh, I wanted to talk about the other McLaren driver, Lando Norris. Uh, he's had a couple seventh place finishes in the last couple races. Do you see, he still hasn't won a race yet. Do you see, see that happening for him this season? Um, at the start of the year, I would have said so, but at this point I'm hesitant to say that because right now, as you said, seventh place finishes back to back. He only has one podium even. So I've, I like to see him get a couple more podium positions before I go, all right, he's going to be the next guy to get the first win. But if there is going to be a driver do, to do that and get their first win going forward, it's, you got to thank George Russell. But yeah, in Lando Norris's case, I would like to see a bit more challenging at the top because he has kind of dropped back a bit, which I'm kind of disappointed based on what I thought going into this year, he would perform a lot better. Yeah, for sure. And it, for me, at least, I mean, he has that contract, but it kind of brings into question his future at McLaren. Do you think long term for him, do you think it's best for him to stay there? Or if another position opens up, maybe at one of the big three, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, I know it's hard to see one of the positions opening unless Lewis Hamilton does retire. But where do you see Lando kind of fitting long term? Is it at McLaren or somewhere else? Um, Right now, I think McLaren is his best bet just because it'll be one of those situations where 
who knows how long Lewis Hamilton's going to stick around and do they have another guy in mind? Because all these teams, they pretty much have some driver coming up through the ranks that you kind of have to keep an eye on. And that's that for all of them. Like even McLaren, you got to think, all right, they've got their eyes on a few guys in IndyCar right now, like Pato Award or even Colton Herta, where, hey, maybe Lando's seat at McLaren isn't even a sure thing. So you got to be thinking, He's got to be like, okay, is this the best spot for me? Is my job at threat? Like, what what makes sense? And But I think McLaren being one of those kind of legacy teams, maybe this is the right fit for him until you see kind of the dominoes on the other teams fall, perhaps. For sure. Well, hey, Jonathan, appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, looking forward to next week, Hungarian Grand Prix. Uh, oh, yeah. Hope to, yeah, hope to talk to you again throughout the summer. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. No problem. That was Jonathan Brazo of Sportsnet talking to F1 here on Sportsnet today with Josh Elliott Wolf and Lena Satagin. Yeah, for me, Lando is one of the guys who I just think is really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like I think he has a fun personality. He's a good face for yeah. F1. He could really, if he was with one of the big three teams, and look, like I mentioned when I was asking the question, it's really hard to see where he could fit. Mm-hmm. But if he could find a spot on one of those big three teams, I think it would be really, really interesting to see what he could do and if he could challenge for more race wins. Because right now, it's it's just been tough. And McLaren has... they I don't want to say they took a step back as much as I think Ferrari maybe took a step forward. Yeah. And kind of left them clearly in fourth, but now even battling for fourth with uh, Alpine, I believe. But I think that they definitely didn't expect this season to go the way they did, especially with Ricardo as well. So they, they, he's barely scored any points. Was, I, what does he add, like 16 points? Yeah, so let's, uh, the Drivers' Championship. So Lando's at 70, which is pretty good. He's mm-hmm. ahead of guys like Esteban Ocon, Valtteri Bottas. Uh, Ricardo's at 19. Yeah. And so generally tough, generally for people that are listening that don't pay too much attention to F1, if someone is on your team, they're driving the same car, you should probably be relatively close to them points wise. Ricardo has had a horrible season. We talked about a bit about it last week, how he just hasn't been able to adjust to the car. And it seems like it's been that way his whole tenure at McLaren. He did win a race, but it just hasn't been what they expected because he's getting paid like a number one driver. Well, they he was highly sought after. They were so excited about uh, signing him. Mm-hmm. And if you watch Drive to Survive, you you could see all of that go down as well um, from last season's results. Last season was on, um, it's on Netflix. You can watch it. Um, but you could see just kind of the downfall and, and Lando even getting competitive when, when the first, the announcement came saying like, you know, I'm, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to try and beat him. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear. You always you always want to beat your teammate yeah. because that way if someone gets let go, it's ideally not you. But he was worried. Mm-hmm. He, he was very worried. And I think, honestly, it was fair to worry at the time because mm-hmm. I don't know if he was as... Like, he's... Lando Norris is young, so I think he would have landed elsewhere. Yeah. But it was fair to worry that, hey, if Ricardo made him look bad, that it would be a, it would be a bad sign for Norris. But... It's gone the reverse way, and that's why I think if one of those big three teams, and again, I think the only way I see a spot opening up is if Lewis Hamilton does retire, which 
I still don't think would happen for a season or two. But if it did, that's kind of the only spot I could see opening Mm -hmm. unless Red Bull makes a weird move with Checo Perez or Ferrari decides to let one of Leclerc's signs go, which, again, we talked a bit about Ferrari, and I want to talk a bit about it more. So essentially what happened yesterday. Yeah. Let's run through it. So (laughs) Carlos, so the start, we'll talk about Leclerc. Okay. He was in first. Looked like he was hopefully at least going to be able to secure a podium, but had a really good chance at 25 points. He's trying to make up ground on Max Verstappen. He's coming around a corner, loses control, crashes into a wall. Not a huge crash, but he's out of the race. On his radio, they ask, hey, are, are you okay? And he, it was like 20 seconds of heavy breathing, and then he just screams, no! No! And he's so mad. And it's yeah. he's not even answering the are you okay thing. It's just the frustration with how the season has gone. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's the third time that mm-hmm. this has happened to him. Like you mentioned, DNF when he was in a top spot. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's been a really difficult season for him and for Ferrari as a whole. And then, so, okay. So what happened with Signs? Oh, God. Um, I mean, Signs had a pretty good race. Yeah, he started, started started in 19th and fi- finished P5. Mm-hmm. Uh plus he had a few penalties, a couple 5 second, maybe just one 5 second penalty. Just one. Yeah. Um so <laughs> while he's pushing for P3 passing Perez, mm-hmm. right during the pass, the crew calls him into pit. Yes. Which is like horrible. unbelievable. You almost and like Jonathan had said, it's almost as if the crew wasn't even watching the race. Mm-hmm. There's no way they were watching the race if they were making that call. Yeah, because I honestly, and look, I don't listen to the team radios all that much, but honestly, I can't see any team wanting to get in the ear of their driver while they're trying to make a pass and are incredibly focused, going at high speeds, trying A, not to crash, but also B, trying to pass one of their main competitors. Like That's, that's a huge moment you're like, your strategy team is saying, hey, come come get some new tires. <laughs> <laughs> and you can hear it in the radio. He's like, not now, not now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so cringy. It's it's tough to watch. And Jonathan said it as well. It was in the Hungarian Grand Prix. The Hungarian Grand Prix is next. Oh, week. sorry. The um, Austrian Grand Prix. In Oh, in Monaco. Oh just one day. You almost got it. Uh, oh, let's just list all of the Grand Prix before <laughs> yeah. we get to the right yeah. one. In Monaco, there was that moment where Sainz and Leclerc went in yes. at the same time. And that more that more negatively affected Leclerc because he was the second one in and yeah. had to wait behind Sainz to get his tires done. But Terrible. Uh, it's just been a horrible strategy all season from Ferrari. And hopefully it fixes itself, but it's been a... It hasn't just been this year for Ferrari. It's been many years of bad strategy calling. Uh, We do get a text from Reg. I need you to answer this question. So most of these teams are called by their car name. What I can't figure out is what kind of car is Red Bull? What did they drive? Yes, they do. They have changed their motor. Yes. So Um, I believe they're Honda. Honda engine. Yes. And so that's that's what gets them going. I believe it used to be... I forget what it used to be. It used to be one of the other teams. I think it was Mercedes. It may have been Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, but then I I believe they do design the outer body of their own car, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But Honda engine, that's what makes them go. 
and uh, they are the, they are the only team with that engine, along with AlphaTauri, who's their junior team, also a Red Bull Racing team. Uh, They've been with Honda for a few years. I'm just trying to yes. look to see. Yes, and it's been a very successful marriage for them. I do believe in a couple years there's some new regulation changes, and I believe only one team is allowed to use specific engines. So Honda's going to have to pick whether they want to be associated with Red Bull or they could try to maybe buy out AlphaTauri, which I think I slightly heard about, but don't quote me on that. But they're interested in kind of having their own team to a bigger extent. And I believe Audi and Porsche are going to be yes. partaking as well. They're they're very interested. And Audi used to be in F1. Same with uh, BMW, I believe, used to be in F1. I don't know if they're interested in coming back, but it will be, I do believe we'll be seeing quite a few new engines moving forward. And again, if you're a casual fan that semi wants to get interested in watching this more, Drive to Survive is the best way. Because it's really, it makes everything really easy to understand. And I know we've heard this before, but great show. Great show. And then you you get to watch during the season, record some races, it's great. Uh, coming up on the other side, we're going to talk Blue Jays, Mariners, Angels. I have a little bit about the Angels I want to get to because they are sure. so they are so bad, but it's fun. <laughs> um, and then we're also going to talk about Brooke Henderson and the Canadian men winning the 4x100 gold medal at the World Championships. We'll talk about that next seg on Sportsnet Today with Josh Elliott Wolf and Lena Setegian on Sportsnet 650. Sportsnet today, Josh Elliott Wolf, Lena Satagian, Sportsnet 650. I don't know what this song is. I don't either. It's Hope, fresh off the new Shinedown album. One of the deeper cuts. Deeper cuts. Yes. So this is an Eddie choice for this sure. This is one that I'm really loving right now. All right. You know what? I don't mind it. Should we let it play out? Beautiful. It was about to drop. I had to let yeah, it Yeah, no, we had, to, yeah. we had to hit the post there. Yeah. I understand. Um, good song, though. I'll get, you know what? I'll give you a three and a half out of four. Not bad. Not it's, bad. Uh, it's way better than I thought it was going to go. Not batting a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having faith in me, John. <laughs> <laughs> I just knew our music tastes were different. Yes. And I, but you overcame that. There you go. It I was, didn't overcome nothing. <laughs> I have good taste. We just don't agree more often than not. Fair enough. It was a valiant effort. Better okay. than Ben. It's okay to not agree with everybody on everything. <laughs> yes. Better than Ben. Better than Ben. Ben would have been two for four and pumped about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, True. Tough. You know who, uh, this is, I'm trying to transition. I know. Here. Let's let's wait for it. You know who went three for three this weekend? The Toronto Blue Jays. Yes, it's true. They pretty much went four for three with how big of a win they had on Friday. A twenty, they scored twenty-eight runs against the Boston Red Sox on Friday, the most in a game in franchise history. They were two away from the Texas Rangers' uh, modern era record of thirty in a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, watching the game, I really thought they were going to pass it because they had twenty-five after the first five innings, mm-hmm. on pace for just under fifty. Uh, we didn't see that though. 28 is still incredibly impressive. They then went on to beat the Red Sox again on Saturday. That was a great pitching performance by former Vancouver Canadian Alec Manoa. He's got that dog in him. Oh, yeah. He has got that dog in him. 
and he and was, you saw him. He was yelling uh, some profanities. Some profanity. Watch your profanity. Little spicy. Yeah, he was. He was a little fired up, but that's that's his whole thing. And as long as he's a good pitcher, let him do it. Uh, so that's fine. And then they won yesterday as well. The final total for the three oh, games, forty to ten for the Blue Jays. It's really rough for uh, the Red, Red Sox. Sox. Yes, really. It's it was honestly hard to watch. <laughs> it was it was embarrassing. There was a oh, and there was okay. My favorite part of the the game, um, other than the in park grand slam, inside. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yep. Um, was that there was a proposal. When was there? There was a proposal when the Red Sox were losing 25-3. to That's tough. Because you can't back out. Also, d- don't propose at sports games. It's weird. And do you want to make it be, especially for the wife, I was proposed at the game where the Red Sox got their tails kicked yeah. 28-5. Well, I mean, but would you remember- wait it out, though? Like, if you had this all planned out, you hid the ring in your pocket. You have and to you're like, this is tell the, the stadium before. Yeah, and then what if it was like an important date, like it was an anniversary of yeah, sorts? Yeah, when you first met, that's the day. Maybe you met at a Red Sox-Blue Jays game. Tough. It's just, you you can't predict the score. Um, would you wait? Or would tough. you do it anyways? Because I, I don't know how it works when you, because I believe you do have to notify the stadium, especially if you want want to get like the camera on you, at least in an efficient amount of time. I like me personally. I would just never propose at a sporting event because it's it's weird to me to do it in front of that many people. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of it. I think it was a good lesson to not do it at a sporting event. Exactly. Find better places, more memorable places to do it, and not fan fan all the attention towards yourself. Yeah, like yeah, you, you want to get proposed to at Fenway Park, or like maybe go to Fenway Park and then plan this nice dinner or something afterwards and and do it there. Hmm. Uh, you can make it part of the day. Don't make it where it's going to happen. I don't know. That's just me. That's just me. Uh, but the Red Sox, <laughs> they also had their worst five-game five stretch in franchise history. And the Boston Red Sox have been around for a while. I think they've let in like 55 runs, right? They So they were outscored in the last five games. So three against the Blue Jays, two against the Yankees. Uh, stretching over the All Star break, mm-hmm. they were outscored sixty-seven to thirteen. Oh my gosh! They they lost all five games. By the way, they did not they did not win any. <laughs> um, so their run differential before that stretch was plus forty-two, which is which was fine. After so sitting today, the run differential is minus twelve, and they are out of a playoff spot. I would hope so. It's tough. It's tough for the for the Red Sox. The Blue Jays, however, two games up on the Mariners, who are in the final wild card spot right now. The Jays in the first wild card spot. If the playoffs started today, the Jays would be playing the Rays in Toronto. The Mariners, I believe, would be playing against the Twins. I would have to double check that, but I believe they would be playing against the Twins. The Mariners, we mentioned it earlier. They did not have a good weekend. No. They Came out of the Ulster break, 14-game winning streak in hand, going for 15. They got swept by the Houston Astros. Uh, it's, a, it's tough. It's a good team, though. Good. To, well, 
it's you you kind of expected the winning streak to come to an end at some point in the series. What what was their final? 15? Uh, 14. 14. So, I mean, it's it's commendable. It's a good streak. At least I believe it was 14. They might have stretched to 15. But I just I don't I'm really worried about the Mariners. I'm really worried they're going to do that thing where they have a really good stretch <laughs> to get everybody's hopes up. They get some reinforcements. Kyle Lewis was back in the lineup on the weekend. Everything looked great. Then they get swept. Now they're barely in a playoff spot. I think they're two games up on the Cleveland Guardians right now for that final wild card spot. In other words, they're Mariner-ing. They're, exactly. Oh, yeah. They're they going to are, Mariner. They're, the Mariners are going to Mariner. Have they had this hot of a streak, though, in recent times? Not since they won 116 games back in 2001. And how did there that Mariner season end? Not in the World Series, but they <laughs> no. made the playoffs. That was the last time they made the playoffs. That's all though. part of being a Mariner. <laughs> yes. That is truly tragic. Seattle sports just do what they do. Um, so that, I don't know, it's tough. It's tough. That's They're in a bad spot, but look, it, if you're going to get swept by a team, it's good that it came against a team that at least is an elite team. They start a series against the Texas Rangers tonight in Seattle. It's a four-game set. Texas has a, or sorry, a three-game set. And then they have to play against Houston again. So the the Mariners need to All pick up Texas some wins. Teams. Come All on. the Texas teams. Come and teams. break the Mariners. It's, it's just a stretch <laughs> of Texas for Seattle. Uh, the Jays, however, have the day off. They will play against the St. Louis Cardinals tomorrow and Wednesday. A little two-game set. The Cardinals are without Nolan, Nolan Arenado. Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Both unvaxxed. And again, we I feel like we go through this every single time players miss games to go to Toronto. It goes both ways. Oh, yeah. If a Jays player was unvaxxed, they would miss 81 games. <laughs> that's like that's such a... It's they, a huge disadvantage. Yes, they have had to be out on players because... They're on Vax. Like, you just weren't Fair. able to sign them. You weren't able to trade for them. You were not able to target those players because you they would have missed half of your season. And the same goes for the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Rays, the Orioles, who play in the division. They have to go to Canada a lot. They are worried that if they trade for someone, like recently the Yankees had interest in Andrew Benintendi. He's not Vax, so they're kind of waning interest on him. And that's... That's kind of what's been happening throughout the majors throughout the season. The other team I wanted to touch on, and I mentioned it before the break. The Angels. The Angels. They won their... So this stat blew my mind. Yesterday, they won their first game, started by someone not named Shohei Otani, for the first time since June 27th. So almost a full month went by... And the Angels did not win a game unless it was started by Shohei Otani. That's embarrassing. When you have Mike Trout mm-hmm. and like, okay, you're winning the games Otani starts. That's great. But he's also in your lineup the other days. Yeah. The two best players in the league and you're not winning more than a couple games throughout the month. I know Trout signed long-term there. Otani isn't signed as long-term, yeah. but eventually it's going to get to a point where 
look, I know Otani's already been coming up in trade conversations, but Trout is going to get to that point as well. I would assume. Like, at, at a certain point, you have to start getting frustrated, right? Like, imagine from a Canucks point of view, let's say Patterson and Hughes. The Canucks only win when Patterson and Hughes both score. How many games are you winning? Like, mm-hmm. like 10, 15, because Hughes doesn't score that much? Like, it's that's the kind of state they're in in Anaheim. They're 15 games under 500. Mm-hmm. And more than 20 games behind the Astros. Yeah, they're not making the playoffs. And they're it, Mike Trout has not won a playoff game in his career. And he's the best player in baseball. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. It's been tough to watch. Have I, you watched? I haven't. I like... Here's I the just thing. Highlights I, only. I, <laughs> highlights well, only. There aren't any highlights, though. <laughs> it's low lights only <laughs> low for the lights Angels. Only. Uh, I like the Angels. Like, as a team, I like the team. Because mm-hmm. I like Otani, I like Trout. So right. I do like watching their games, but I don't like I'm not going out of my way to watch them, obviously. But it's been frustrating when I have checked the box score, I've checked the standings, because I want them to be good. It's like you know when you see an elite player and people write them off because they haven't won a championship. Is that gonna happen to McDavid? Exactly. Yeah, yeah like it's the same shit. Chichi- Situation. I just like turn my mic. It's the same situation as McDavid and Drysdale, where at least they're able to get to the playoffs, but they're not winning. And eventually, you get to a point where you start to get frustrated, right? And eventually, you would you would assume those players would want out. If I was Otani, I would definitely want out. Mm-hmm. But where would you play? Because he's maybe with the Jays. That would be crazy. He fits a lot of knees, needs for the Jays. Starting pitching, they yeah. definitely need. Lefty bat in the lineup, they definitely need. It still boggles my mind that he's a two-way player like that. And elite at both, <laughs> elite um, at at both, both. things. Like, he could win the MVP every single year as long as he's doing this. Yeah. And no, nobody can question it. He's not going to, I don't think, because people are just going to eventually kind of... You get used to him being as good as he is. I do wonder how long he could keep it up, though. Because so far, he's been elite, and it's been great. It's been working out well. But eventually, you're you're putting a lot of wear on your body. Mm-hmm. And so I do wonder if he does get traded or wherever he signs next, if they say, hey, we we really want to have you, and we'll try to keep you pitching and hitting as long as possible, but eventually you're going to have to pick one. Imagine being in that position. Okay, if you were Shohei Otani... Would you like to stay in a team where you're pretty much an MVP every season? Or would you want to play for a better team? And maybe not, I mean, how can you not be the shining star in any team you play for when you're Shohei? But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, just be, if if he's the focal point of everything there. And he's very marketable, which is why I think the Angels aren't very into trading him. It's because they make a lot of money off of him. They make a lot of money selling jerseys overseas with Otani on the back. Uh, and that's part of why I think the Jays will be into it. Uh, the other guy that keeps just getting traded everywhere but not actually getting traded is Juan Soto, who again... Every day. Yeah, over it's the... It's a new notification <laughs> for me. Yeah. Where, where could he be going? Has he denied $400 million again today? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But I think it was over the weekend, the Cardinals... 
were yep. a team that was in on him. Before that was the Dodgers and the Jays. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the Mariners were also mentioned by John Heyman, I believe. Uh, that would be really cool if he did end up in Seattle because I think Seattle, they have Julio, and that's great. But if they could get another guy to go with Julio Rodriguez and maybe put them over the top as a playoff team because, again, I'm worried they're going to miss the playoffs. If they can get Soto, that well, would help a lot. That's been part of their problem. They haven't built that core, right? Since no, exactly. Ken Griffey Jr., Jay Buhner, and Edgar Martinez, a guy like Soto along with Julio would be a great core to start, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Young core. It'd be young. It'd be elite. It'd be very energetic. And too. we get fans into that stadium. Exactly. And, and it's still a very good stadium, but you need more reasons for the fans to show up. One of the best in the league. And, but, and Seattle sports fans, when things are going great, they are one of the best fan bases in the, in any league. Absolutely. Like Seahawks fans, we saw it when they were winning Super Bowls. They are crazy. Seattle Sounders fans. Mm-hmm. Very, Sounders fans are nuts. I'm old are. enough to remember the Mariners fans in the Kingdom. Yeah. It, it gets it gets loud. And we even if I'm and I know a lot of people are texting in. Yeah, we'll saying, get to it. Hey, what where what part of Toronto are you from? Because we're talking Jays. I am I would say I'm a Jays fan. But also, I want to see the Mariners have success. And if they can start selling out games again, because they have guys like Julio Rodriguez, and if they were able to secure someone like Juan Soto, that would be really great to see. And I think that would win over a lot of people in the lower mainland as well who have converted to the Jays just because it's obviously easier to watch on TV, but they've also had a lot more success lately. You might be able to win a few fans back if you can be competitive year in, year out, and getting somebody like Soto Soto is going to help with that a lot. 650-650 into our Dunbar Lumber text line. Rules of the sea. One, no whistling in the wheelhouse. Two, never talk playoffs midseason for the Mariners. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I always fall into the trap, though, of being like, you know what, maybe this is the year, because they always have a midseason run. And then, just like that text says, uh, you just shouldn't do it, because it (laughs) Never works out. Unsigned text. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Seattle sports are going to Seattle? Oh. I guess I shouldn't say that because the Sounders have success. The Seahawks had success. Not so much anymore. Um, Not for a while. Yeah. I mean, aside from the Seahawks, what I get, but also aside from the Seahawks, they've had two major sports teams for a while. And the Mariners. So I will, I'll concede the Mariners are going to Mariners. And the Sonics were really good in the 90s until they left. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably get a team back. I hope the Sonics come back. That's a that's a different topic a for another day. other topic. Another text here. The moment Shohei isn't allowed or wanted to be a two-way player anymore in the MLB. I, he caught me. I hate saying the MLB. The, it, the Major MLB, League Baseball. He'll go back to Japan and be their best player for his remaining professional days. I don't know if he will, though. Like, I think if he... It's tough because I don't know what his mindset is, but I think if he found a team that was willing to let him pitch until it just didn't work anymore, he would stay there and just be an elite hitter because he is an elite hitter. And he would put up, I think he can, even if his body wears a bit and he can't pitch anymore, I think he could still put up really good numbers if he was just a hitter, whether it be playing with the Dodgers or the Yankees, because those are the teams that go after all those big guys. Or someone like the Jays. I know he also likes the West Coast because it's close to Japan as well. So maybe it's something like San Francisco 
or Seattle. Mm-hmm. But it's, to me, it's the Yankees. It's always the Yankees. It and always comes back to the Yankees. I just think of Hideki Matsui, who had so much success in New York, and mm-hmm. you know they embraced Ichiro when he was done with the Mariners, and he had some good success there to wrap up his career. To me, it just seems like a perfect fit. Yeah, and the Yankees just they can throw money at everyone and get them till they get them. Uh, unsigned text here: The Mariners aren't active enough in BC. If they really care about BC fans, they should make a better effort up north. I think they should too, but also maybe I shouldn't say this because they're our parent company, but I think a lot of it comes back to what we're able to watch here and on TV and the Jays are very easy to watch. The Mariners are not so easy to watch. And maybe that has to do with ratings that goes above my head, but I would watch a lot more Mariners games if they were on TV. And it's just, it's really hard to be a Mariners fan in BC with the way things are set up currently. And hopefully that changes, but... Give us that West Coast discount. Yeah, give us that West DC Coast. DC resident fans get 30% off tickets. <laughs> yes. Honestly, I think that would that would help quite a bit if they had some sort of BC incentive. But again, like that text says, I think it's a two-way street. Canada TV rights are hard, but also I think the Mariners could push a little harder to try to get people won over here in BC because... Look at how many people are Seahawks fans. And I know there isn't a mm-hmm. Toronto NFL team, but Seahawks have won over this market for the most part. If there was, do you think it'd be different? I do think it'd be a bit different. It would depend, again, though, on how the TV rights work. Like, if Seahawks games... Like, it's so easy to watch NFL games in Canada, in my yeah. opinion. There's always a few different games on TV, even if they're being played at the same time. You have the zone. Mm-hmm. That's easy to find the game you want to watch. Whereas baseball... MLB TV is not nearly at the level as what the NFL has. So I do think a lot of people would convert to a Toronto NFL team, but I think the Seahawks would still be the main draw, at least in the short term. And I think Seattle would push as well to try to keep their fan base here because they've shown it's a bit more of a priority than the Mariners have. Um, I did want to get to a couple other things. Mm -hmm. So over the weekend as well, We'll start with this. Canada winning the 4 by 100 meter men's 4 by 100 meter in Oregon. Yep. Andre DeGrasse was the anchor. You also have Brendan Rodney, Aaron Brown, Jerome Blake. It was a really great showing. I believe the stat I saw was it was the first Canadian win on American soil since 1996 Atlanta. Wow. So it was a really good showing. And... Paris 2024, watch out for the uh, the Canadians there because that would be – if the Canadian – I know Andre de Grasse has kind of taken over here and he hasn't gotten that gold medal in the 100 meter yet, but if we could get a 4 by 100, that would, that would be great. Um, and in other Canadian news. Other Canadian news. Brooke Henderson. Winning her second major. And it's the only time a Canadian golfer has won – a two-time major. Mm-hmm. Very so. impressive. What an impressive girl. Yes. Woman. Yes. And how old is she? She's 24. Like 24. She's my age. She's got and a lot left in her. Yes. Especially if if you're a golfer, you can usually make that last a little bit longer. For me, like I'm still sore from a softball tournament. And she's out there winning majors. Maybe I. Maybe I'm. Getting out of my prime a little bit. Rumor has it you're going for treatment after the show <laughs> yes. for softball injuries. I, I'm actually <laughs> taking the week off after the show. And it is you're all on IR this it's week. all due to softball injuries. 
it's been a uh, load maybe, management. <laughs> yeah, yeah load. maybe you go harder than Brooke Henderson. Maybe that's the maybe. Problem. Yeah, I just put in more effort than you probably do than someone that just won a major. You probably do. Well, maybe she's not diving into fences. There you I don't go. see her climbing fences to make catches. <laughs> no. Though I, you know what? She probably would. She probably would have made the catch. Whereas I just scraped my arm and didn't make the catch. I know we're running a little bit late, but what would be an embarrassing injury to show up at work with following playing at a sport, say, recreationally, like you did softball over the weekend? Yeah. So, a, sorry, you said a job? An, an embarrassing yeah, injury. Yeah, like you show up for work and they're like, what'd you get that for? Say a shiner or a cut. Right. Imagine a embarrassing injury. Huh. Hmm. Maybe like a... A tailbone injury? Yeah. I yeah. don't know. It'd be tough. Honestly, like, I think mine's pretty bad. Like, I got bruises on my head. Yeah. How do you get that playing softball? I got a scar on my forehead from my temper getting the best of me playing roller hockey when I was <laughs> in my early 20s. That's fair. I mean, roller hockey can get pretty competitive. Yeah. All those roller sports, they are intense. People get into it's them. True. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's all the time we have. We <laughs> oh. were really dragging... Dragging at the end there. Uh, but that's all the time we have for Sportsnet today. The People Show is up next. Dan Riccio, Bick Nazar with you all week. I believe their time slot changes a bit. Today it's 2 to 6. I think the rest of the week it is 12 to 4, if I remember correctly. Yes. But they will take you the rest of the way. And then it's a Mariners game. Woo! Hopefully they win. Uh, that's at 7. We'll have pregame for that at 6 as well. This has been Sportsnet Today. I'm Josh Elliott-Wolf with Lena Satagian. This has been Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 650.